You've heard their voices as the soundtrack to local sports for years. Now join the two Bold City natives in their in-depth look at the Jacksonville sports landscape. It's Manzi and Miller on sports. Manzi and Miller on sports. This is a rarity, Richard. We're going to go for the old double dip this week. How about two shows in one week? Uh, maybe a little behind the curtain. The other one that dropped a couple days ago was recorded several weeks ago. Uh, some issues uh, <laughs> recording and editing and all this jazz. So we decided I, I took one last stab at it on Tuesday morning. Finally got enough of it edited together to get it out before conference, or excuse me, not before conference, but before basketball season officially started for Jacksonville. It was Tuesday night for North Florida. It was Wednesday night, and and here we are. Uh, two games in the books, Jacksonville 0-1, UNF 0-1 as well, but uh, certainly different types of results in that one. We're going to talk a little more about that and, and these schools really as a whole and their programs a little bit later on. If anybody's familiar with the website Watch Stadium. They've done a chain of command where they've interviewed coaches from around the league to rank the best jobs in the league uh, first to last. So thought that was interesting. We'll look at how the A-Sun stacked up. And uh, we have uh, just recent news breaking yesterday, Richard, that will lead to our first topic. Yeah. Well, Scott, you first mentioned two shows in one week. I'm like, wait, it's been a while since we talked. And you know, I, I didn't want to pressure you because I knew with your laptop, the computer situation, we've gone over it a few times before about things saving or, you know, phantom deleting. So I didn't want to text you last week at all. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's just see what happens. And, you know, I know you're busy with all different sports. And so it's fun to, to get it up. And I was like, oh, that's what we talked about. <laughs> that was a while ago. And if you remember, too, uh, going inside baseball, but there was we cut different portions throughout and it pieced together mind it record for a little bit so it was like a very choppy episode for us sitting here we were like dude that felt like three hours of a show yeah we did we did like the first part of the show and then we did a second part of the show with an interview which didn't even air because we i had enough issues with that and by the time we tried to get it up it was dated anyway we'll have to redo that one talking about the jacksonville Icemen. Uh, and then we re-recorded the beginning of the show after that, and then re-recorded an end of the show. So yeah, it was that was also part of the problem. A lot of times, the editing on this, I'm just basically just making sure the audio levels are at a similar level, and then pasting your piece on top of my piece, and then letting it go from there. But this one was a little trickier than usual. Yeah, testing it, my metal. And this is Scott, where we tell kids, uh, young adults, that podcasting it, it can be a, a brutal game not not everybody is, is built for this lifestyle no it's it is not all the glam and glory that it is perceived to be on the outside so i will say think twice before considering a career as a podcaster luckily for both of us we're not podcasters by career uh, we just do this on the side so if something falls apart you know it falls apart there's, there's nobody sitting there counting on you uh, necessarily. Though we have gotten some messages in the last week going, hey, where'd you guys go? Uh, are, 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 did you get any cease and desist letters? Are you, are you still keeping this going? But yeah, here we are. It's just, you know, crossover. when football and basketball overlap, it's always an interesting time of the year. And um, I hope the worst part is behind me now, though I still have a couple of weeks of football left. And we've got to find time to keep this rolling, though. 
Richard, because it's important and it's fun. And it is fun. All, all five people that listen to it, we appreciate them and we want to give them content. Yeah, usually uh, all five people are my mother. So uh, I know your mom chips in as well from time yeah, to time. My mom and uh, my brother, he's a diehard. And uh, we have a few others out there as well. Yeah, I was thinking of your brother the other day because I've been to a few Iceman games this year. And then I went shopping yesterday, returned an item to GameStop, and I got some new socks. I'm like, I wonder how Keith's doing this week. Because I know, I know he, he and yourself are big sock, sock yeah. men, sock he's guys. A, he's a huge sock guy. I, 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 funny thing is, I'm not sure I've ever bought a pair of novelty socks. They've all been gifted to me. And I, but I probably have 10 to 12 pairs. That was actually one of my. I got a pair as a best man gift one time. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, stance stance socks. They're nice. No, never heard of them. My my best man gift uh, to my groomsmen. I did pocket knives. Which is ah yes, I've gotten a pocket knife too. Yeah, and it it was. I think I did. You could do like an Amazon like, whatever eight for like a hundred bucks. I mean they're nice, but. Coming from me, I know nothing about weapons other than what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles use. Uh, I, I know nothing. Maybe a little bit of paintball back from my high school days, but that's that's about it. So that was that was my gift. Uh, yeah, I got some Batman socks. So it, oh, cool. it was to the point, Scott, you know when you do a trade-in or get a gift card and you're like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to spend. Like, I just want to use this now yep, I've been there. so I don't have to come back. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, that's why when they're always like store credit, I'm like, uh, yeah. I, d- I get that even on Amazon sometimes. Where they're like, do you want Amazon credit? And then I say yes, and I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, that's great. And it's like, wait a second. Should have probably just gotten a refund because now there's like pressure <laughs> to spend this money in a wise way exclusively on Amazon. Luckily, you know, there's a lot of things to choose from on, uh, on Amazon.com. That does remind me. Thank you, Richard. I have a, I have a pair of headphones I need to return. Oh, oh you're, you're welcome. Speaking of headphones, we are a podcast uh, sports-related more than anything, Jacksonville-based. <laughs> Where were yeah. you when you heard this news about 690 the other day? It's funny. I got it from you. I, I, had, I It was yesterday or Tuesday, I guess I should elaborate, was a day in which the morning was a little bit slow. Uh, it kind of worked, uh, you know, went into vote in the morning and then got into the office and kind of just got my feet under me knowing it was it was the basketball opener that night. But by the afternoon, things really picked up. We had to pick up the ESPN truck from downtown where it was getting the new wrap with the new logos on it for, for, uh, for the new Jacksonville brand identity and then bring that back and load up the equipment and unload it in the arena and, and then start getting everything set up for the game. So I was kind of out and about all afternoon. And I got a text from you at one point and, and you say, man, crazy. Did you see Philip Howman's tweet about 690? I go, what? No, sorry. And you explained it to me, and I go, huh, that's interesting. And my first thought was, but doesn't 1010 have the ESPN radio contract? And I have not seen anything public uh, stated about whether or not, I cannot imagine that is going to stay that way. But what does this mean not only for AM690, formerly WOKV, which will be moving to an FM-only format, and then adding ESPN Radio in the AM. But what does this mean for 1010 in the overnights and on the weekends when they were airing ESPN Radio program? Yeah, it seems like 1010 will 
lose all, if not most of that. I was intrigued when I heard this because nothing of this sort was really on my radar. Granted, I, I haven't kept up as, as well as I used to in the past, but it makes sense with 690, got a huge bandwidth. And for as long as I can remember, it was OKV, and then they added 104.5. And it's going to be all national feeds, except for that 3 to 6 p.m. time slot. So assuming they add something maybe national, maybe go regional, but... I like it. I think think it's exciting. I think the potential is huge when you look at everything they can cover, uh, maybe even do high school football as well for play-by-play, be it basketball or football come 2019, or even maybe some high school baseball, which I think could be kind of cool. But I'm, I'm excited for the possibility, something to, to add to my dial and, and keep checking in on. But other than that, you know, it's going to be 21 hours a day of of Mike Golick, Trey Wingo, all the stuff that, for me, I usually watch on TV. I'm excited, though, from 10 until 1, you get uh, Dan Batard, And I, I think that's one of the, the better national shows out there. You know, it's interesting. If you had, if they had done this, say, a decade ago, I would have been really fired up about it. At that point, I was really big into ESPN radio. I listened to Mike and Mike in the morning every day on the way to school in high school. Uh, I listened to Connor Cowherd a lot. Uh, I listened to Dan Patrick a lot when he was, I mean, I was a sports talk radio junkie when I was in high school. I mean, I started listening, I think when I was like 12 to sports talk radio and or 11 or 12 and I never stopped. And I was super big into those national-type shows. Here in Jacksonville, things were... That was really a state of flux in the 2004 to 2007 window because it was like, okay, there's 930, and then 930 personalities moved to 1460, and then 1460 folded, and then 1010 started. So guys were bouncing around a lot, so it was really hard to follow specific people. I listen to Frank Frangie a lot. Uh, growing up, but um, and then even even Terry Norvell in the mornings for a while there when he had the morning show on 1460 for not very long, but uh, he definitely had that at one point in time, uh, and it led into Mike and Mike. So I would listen to that in the mornings too, and and but it it's it was so much different then than it is now, and uh, certainly Jacksonville has established itself as a market that supports local sports talk radio with how successful 1010 has been for over a decade now. And nobody has really challenged him in that. And it's funny because 930 bailed on it essentially six years ago. And now just in the last two months, three months, we've had more news of competitors in the sports talk radio landscape here in Jacksonville than we've had in six years with 930 adding their local programming, more local programming, rebranding is the game based out of Orlando. And then now this news of ESPN radio coming here and, and then putting together some sort of a drive time show. And, and to reiterate my point about the three to six, that's TBD in the, the press release WOKV had. And I look at that. The, the only thing is I don't want to be disappointed in something like this, I, I hope it creates a, a real shakeup in terms of maybe adding a Pete Prisco. 
I want more of a color, not base show, but where colors are taken, kind of like how the drill, they mix them in pretty well. Even, I think right now, the best show, probably since it went back to its kind of heyday, when was that, maybe 2012, 2011, somewhere in that range, when it was Hacker and Joe Coward, where you look at every night they're on, they get some of the best guests in the country. I mean, they, they do. I was driving home from work. They had Charles Davis on. They were talking about Blake Bortles and what Cody Kessler can do and drafting Leonard Fournette high. The guests they get, I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to stay in my car longer. Where sometimes in the morning, that doesn't always happen. Maybe if Daniel Murphy comes on the drill or you know, I got to tune in to, to trivia or something with Get Smart John Wednesday mornings. Or even sometimes Rick Catlett, I'll... I'll Tune in for all of that Wednesday nights on Frank Frangie. But there aren't those guests as much because I think those guests have become full-time hosts. For this three-to-six slot, I think Pete Prisco would be just a, a kill. Uh, I mean, he would he would crush it. I, I, don't, I don't know if that would be a possibility, but you've also got to think if they do a three-to-six, could be something where 930 is done. You've got Bianchi down in Orlando. Why not make it kind of regional or statewide? I think they could do that with Pete. For him, you could even stream it on CBS Sports, something like that. Get a really good, strong reach. And maybe even pluck somebody. Maybe even go with the route of, you know what, let's let's take away a Mike Dempsey or take Hacker or take Tony Smith. Moves like that would not shock me because, like you said, during that stretch in that 04 range, you know, four or five years, give or take, Things were getting shook up often, and that's the way the business is. That's the way TV works. And so if there's a big shakeup, I, I would love that because, you know what, we'd probably get another month or two out of programming. We'd, we'd get some more podcast topics. <laughs> no kidding. That You hit the nail on the head there. What If they come in here and, all right, so they say, hey, we're airing Wingo and Golick in the morning, and then you've got Dan Levitard, and then... Uh, whatever I think the Stephen A. Smith show airs at some point in the midday. They got Will Kane on the on the schedule, and then we'll go three to six p.m. I won't use a name, but just blank that doesn't move the needle. Like when Bianchi was announced as the morning show that they were that they were uh, simulcasting from Orlando on nine thirty. That that didn't move the needle here locally because people don't that, that you know Bianchi for reasons that are entirely of his own doing, has developed a re- reputation around here locally as someone who is not exactly well-liked. So it, it's, that didn't, people, I think, noticed, but it was just a blip, everything that 930 did in their rebranding. Whereas if a personality who is, say, a number two at 1010 right now were to be given an opportunity to be a primetime show, at 690 and be the the main host of a drive time show wow i mean that would be the most significant thing to happen i think in sports talk radio here locally since 930 uh, fired everybody back in 2012 yeah yeah i you know 2012 was big but i think early 2009 was even bigger when they cut joe c and, and david lamb 
I think it would be almost on that level because in, in 2012, you got rid of uh, Pete Prisco, but it, it was more, I think, the change of going to uh, Tony Modica that people are like, dude, didn't this guy do traffic updates? <laughs> Throwback. I forgot he was even yeah. the drive time host oh, it, there it, for like It was years. quite some time. It's amazing. Um, I mean, I've, I've known people to do shows in, in you know, probably top 100 markets where they last maybe a couple years and you're going dude, really? It, okay. But so, sometimes it's, uh, if you're a big corporation, you get some bang for your buck. And I think that's, that was the case there. I, when I was thinking about this the other day, cause I was getting an oil change when I was checking out social media and I saw the news from Philip and it's like, Oh, okay. You know, I've, I've, I've heard this topic come up a number of times. There was talk in 2010 of investors getting together and, even the talk of 1010 getting rid of their their FM station, I can't remember at the time. It was like something it was 1053 or something. Yes, so there was yeah. talk of 1053 turning into a news talk with a like scattering, like some toppings of sports talk, like like a six to nine AM and then maybe a five to seven and then Alabama sports play-by-play. It was a. Uh, I was in on some of those meetings. It's like I don't know if this is going to work. Especially, I don't think that would have worked. No, no. And you're also trying to fight for that that slice of any ad dollars mm-hmm. is is tough with with a schedule like that. I forget they wanted me to do like ten to noon, I think. But it, it was just never. You could see it wasn't going to get far off the ground. And then I think it was maybe 2014 where I heard a few more whispers of trying to do something similar but you have wokv behind this you have cox media behind this and i would go right off the bat because i saw for a number of topics categories that you had blythe brumleave is a top two folio weekly radio host i believe it was a category and then helmets and heels i think finished either one or two in a different category for sports talk shows and right up there with the drill, which I was quite impressed with that. To me, it's go after Blythe Brumleave and then do a combo if you can't land Tony Smith. Because I think he'd be kind of your point guy of in and out breaks, getting your live reads, but still try and split it 55-45 in favor of Tony Smith. But I want to highlight Blythe Brumleave. And say if none of those work out, maybe even go Blythe with Hacker or Blythe with T-Wig if you can make it work with the schedule and his, his focus now on the barbershop. But I think, you know, Blythe, if you go three to six, man, you are breaking some ground, but you're also getting such a strong sports personality. She would crush it. She's a star, no doubt about it. And someone, if, 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 if Cox goes about this in a manner of they actually want to make a splash. There are, I mean, I think there are several options that are uh, in this market already that are talented people that are not number one hosts right now. And I think there are, as you said, several examples. Uh, We could probably continue to go down and list names and all, but I think most people would that listen to this and also listen to Sports Talk Radio here in town can piece it piece it all together as to who the options would be. And I think that they could really 
make a statement if they wanted to, if they want to. Now, this could, in a week from now, it could be announced that uh, they're going outside and hiring somebody from Alabama to come in here and do this, or they're bringing, you know, they're going to take Mark Brunel and have him host a afternoon show, you know, something that just doesn't, doesn't move the needle per se. And we could be sitting there going, well, there is another missed opportunity here in town for, uh, for continued growth in, in this medium. And it, it's, Someone said to us yesterday, or to me yesterday, and, you know, Jacksonville can't support three sports talk radio stations. And that's true. I think that's true. But there's really only one right now that is operating as a complete sports talk radio station. There's one that is just kind of redefining itself as a regional sports talk radio station, I guess you could say, and focusing on play-by-play. And then this one is just a new foray that is going to drop in national stuff that is different than what you're getting elsewhere and then might be able to make a statement with a uh, afternoon drive thing. You're just trying to give people options right now. And and I just think back to when we sat down with Steve Griffin of 1010XL, I guess like a little over a year ago now or so, and we were asking him where he thought the future of sports talk radio in this town was going. And, I mean, he was – quite high on the possibility uh, for Jacksonville. The, I guess the receptiveness is a, is a good way to describe how the city had embraced sports talk radio in for, for years and how, whereas other cities that are similar size or even bigger have not been able to support stations the way that Jacksonville has, I think is this thirst for for local talk, but also for just sports talk in general that has made uh, made this a good market for it. So I, I don't think you could necessarily have three stations that are all trying to do what 1010 is doing right now, but I think you could have three stations that are doing their own unique things with a little bit of similarity and a little bit of overlap combined with them. Yeah, so when you say bring somebody from the outside... By the way, I, I think that'd be a disaster. I mean, look, if they did that, listen Terrible to the idea. midday show. It's uh, not what people wanted. Uh, I think they tune out more and more. And after T. Wig left, you, you had to bring in a former Jaguars player, and you, you bring up Mark Brunel jokingly, but man, if that happened, I, I would never flip on six ninety. I mean, some of the stuff he does on Channel Four, even the Mark Brunel show, yeah. I mean, dude, dude, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna watch the replay of Jeopardy. I, I can't do that. It's, it's brutal. I go to all access if I want any Jaguars coverage, which at the moment is two percent or two articles a week. No, thank you. There's only so much you can handle. Yeah, and the, the thing is, Scott, with the things we bring up, we bring up closer to what the listener wants. And what the listener wants is not always what the ad dollars want or what the people making the true decisions decide because it's a, you know, who sounds familiar, who's been on a long time, who can get us access to the Jaguars. It's not a lot of giving somebody else a new chance or a, a, a big opportunity. But I, I think if someone... In this three to six slot, if you give the reins to a somebody under thirty-five, 
from this market, they would crush it. Especially when you look at Facebook and Twitter and some of the stuff I see or don't see. And I'm still just baffled how you can be uh, a national broadcaster or even a high-powered local broadcaster and not be at least somewhat active on a daily basis. It, it just it, it's so perplexing to me. It goes up it goes against everything we've been taught in the last five to seven years of how to you know market yourself and brand yourself and some people have just shut down a major portion of how society wants to communicate to them and you know add some phone calls too but i think with this lineup that they're doing with espn 690 you have to have a somewhat national sounding voice and i'm i'm excited i I bet they announce something in in the next three four weeks at the latest and you know, let, let's go. I'm I'm ready for January to start because I'm I'm I want to I want something new. I want to break this down. I want to flip off Frank Fr- or not flip off Frank Frangie, but turn the station away from Frank Frangie right. and see if something new kind of becomes my my new normal. I think it'd be fascinating if someone and I'm thinking about it as you say somebody under the age of 35 hit that demographic. I'm thinking, uh, I mean, I'm, I still listen when I'm in the car and stuff like that, driving around a lot uh, to, to local sports talk, but when, when I'm uh, in my office, per se, um, maybe grinding out some busy work, or if I'm, um, you know, in my apartment, I will a lot of times listen to podcasts, and I'm trying to, I'm, like, I'm running through doing almost a just a, a survey in my head of, of counting the types of podcasts and who I listen to and how many are done by people that are very similar in age to me. And I think there is something to looking for that voice that is speaking in ways that you can relate. I mean, I, millennial is maybe the most overused term, maybe for, for a while, there was like fake news, and then like millennial is like the other most overused term of the last probably like two years. But there is something to that identifying with your own age range. And you see things differently, you perceive the world differently, you have different priorities, you think differently. And, and that applies to not only real things in life, but also in sports. And my perceptions of things in sports are different than a lot of the voices that are prominent around here at this point in time. And so I'd love the opportunity to hear more of what I relate to and engage more in what I, what I'm seeing on a on a night in night out basis when it comes to when it comes to sports. Like I I can't listen to one more argument about like bat flips and sportsmanship in baseball and whether or not it's okay because it's like listen no one's going to change my mind on this and maybe this is because of how old I am but I see it just differently than most that have platforms at this point in time and and one of my best friends in this business is David Lamb and we could not be further apart on so many different uh, topics just because of his age and what he grew up with and what he sees now and then myself being just so different in that regard but it doesn't mean we we can't get along and be friends and be very cordial and and have fun back and forth but uh, there's just 
makes me realize how when I drop a video game reference in a broadcast hmm. with them, there are a lot of people that probably would get that, that uh, just that are you know we're, we're missing in perhaps uh, with just the way things are currently around here. Yeah, there's no way David Lamb knows what Red Dead Redemption Two no. is. There's just no way. <laughs> Not a chance. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's part of sports talk radio. Look more local than national that I get that vibe of it's like oh you millennials and it turns into a history lesson where it's like you know if if I want to hear about this I I can go to my grandfather or I will read a sports history book or a biography and it's not enough current top topics like you know oh, oh is Des Des Bryant really going to make the Saints that much better? It turns into oh the Gators, you know they haven't had a good quarterback since Tebow, and it it turns into more of that where I'm like, well, why is Trask better than Felipe Franks, or why are we not seeing more of Emory Jones, or why is offensive coordinator getting the play calling duties and Taggart gives that up? I, I don't know. It just feels like more of my parents telling me like, well. Back when the Gators and Knowles tied, we put a sign in your neighbor's yard because it was 31-31. It's like, yeah, I was around for that. And I don't know. I just I want more of a peer to talk to me about That's sports it. because not, not that we'll always agree, but it'll feel more of maybe like a friend of mine telling me about what happened in the game last night. Yeah, don't get me wrong, man. When I worked for the Frank Franchi show with Rick Ballou, part of the fun was the fact that they had experienced other things that I hadn't because I was either too young or I wasn't alive. And there was a history component to that and some storytelling component to that that was compelling, at least to me personally. I always found some of the, like, I mean, I know Frank's told the story three million times, but it still makes me laugh every time he tells a story about how he got run over by the big fat guy at the, uh, the end of the LSU game back in the the 70s or whatever. But at the same time, whereas, like, things have progressed, right? Like, like I grew up, I, I started this, like, 15 minutes ago saying, you know, I was a kid listening to local sports talk radio in town. And when, I'm a, when you're a kid, yeah, of course, everybody's older than you. Nobody's speaking on your level because there are no 12-year-olds that are hosting. Well, I guess maybe nowadays there are 12-year-olds that are probably a podcast somewhere. But back then... You had to listen to the adults talk about this stuff. But, like, we've grown up now, and, like, we're adults, and they're just, there's a, oh, it just feels like there's a lack of voices that are at our level, whereas the, the same, a lot of the same voices that were talking to us when we were kids are the ones still talking to us. So we haven't had an opportunity to really get that fresh perspective, if you will. And, and I think that's why we embrace, like, a show like Helmets and Heels has been embraced, because it does feature a, a slightly younger demographic and, and cater to a younger demographic, certainly. Or why we have seen even things like, uh, you know, Drew Hicken and Beef, like, fooling around in the after drill thing uh, on Facebook Live, just being silly at times, but it's something that could open up opportunities for, for some other people. And, and why Tony Smith is so, and, and Hacker, you know, those, those, that's like the, the threshold right now for the for the the younger demographic that is listening and I, I think it'd be great to give even more people opportunities like that I, I would agree I, I think even 
I've tried to listen more and more to Beef, and I'll, I'll check out the Facebook live show occasionally. Not a fan of both hosts. But I think Beef could host his own show. I, I really do. What, what's so funny? I just, it, it would be funny listening to Beef host his own show because it would be a funny show. Exactly. Not because like, it'd be funny, but like he is funny. He, he is the funniest person in radio, period. No one comes close. And he consumes other mediums, which is very <laughs> nice. And he's well-rounded. And when I listen to podcasts, usually it's because I want to be informed and or laugh. And he could do both of those. Really. And, and sometimes I think it may just be his personality. And he's happy in his role, and he does a fantastic job with it. Nobody can touch him as producer number one over no. at 1010. My goodness, no. I think he would do well. Even give him a, a two-hour show, he, he would do fine. But you know what? He's got a young son. He's got a wife. And he, he can kind of do what he wants. Yeah. And so beef and little beef. Uh <laughs> for, yeah, it, it'll be uh, like when, drive. Yeah, when, when David Lamb had a, a show with his son. Did he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that was uh, late '90s. I, I forget his son's name. So it was David Lam. It was Lamb at Large. So it was Dave and his son, and this was before Joe Cowart came on. Okay. So they did it. That predates f- my predates my sports talk radio life. Yeah, they did it a few years, and then maybe in about 2000, I want to say Cowart became the co-host. Mm-hmm. So he did that for almost a decade with Dave. Huh. Interesting. That's what somebody needs to do. I mean, I think we're into it enough now. Or like, I don't need a book, but I need. I'd like like a Wikipedia page with like the history of sports talk radio in Jacksonville. Like, start way back with like Jay Solomon and like work your way to to present day. I, mean, I, I could probably do that. I don't know if anybody would be interested in that other than me. Yeah. but I think yeah, it'd be I, fascinating. I could, I could probably go back. Yeah. I'm just trying to think some of the gap years where I didn't really listen as much. Um, what What is your favorite worst show? Do like of all one? time here locally? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's a good question. Let's see. Um... <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot, and you don't like to call out people. So I know, I, get, I know, I get. Um. All right, how about I start? Okay, yeah, you start while I think. Okay, easily my favorite worst show. I mean, Sam Cavaris when he used to have like his biking wine show. I think it was like ten to eleven or nine to ten on ten ten. That was just. Oh, it was barf-inducing. I forget when that was, like fall of 09, maybe? No, it... Yeah, maybe 2010. It it lasted way too long. And then I would go with when it was Sam Kavaris, David Lamb, and Tom McManus. That is easily... Who got a word in edgewise on that show? It, well, it, it, it kind of became the front-runner of what we have for local radio now. For some of the shows where you're like, wait, there are eight voices. Who is that? Oh, Dave's mad at somebody. I don't know who that was, but I guess it was Sam. That show was so bad. Like, you you could cut the tension with a knife. Yeah, that sounds... 
That sounds brutal. There, there was also, so clearly I've thought about yes, this you more have. than you have, but there was a weeknight show. I forget if I, I don't think I was still on 1010. Maybe I was, I hadn't gotten there. So they they were still in the early stages of trying to figure out like what they were going to do after seven o'clock and you know, the hunting fishing shows and poker room mm-hmm. radio. I don't know if that had been really established. And there was a host. I I don't even know if he's in the market now. But there was a show maybe like when I do 7 to 9 or 8 to 10, something like that, that was maybe two or three days out of the week that was just so bad. It was like your uncle who would go on radio and got super nervous and would try and talk. And, and you know, for that opening segment, you've got 8 to 12 minutes. You want to hit them hard. It was like going to a library and just watching some man talk and and try and like sell you Jesus books mm. or something and you're like wait I don't this is so bad I need to see where you stand on this and I I'll I'll have to f- go back and find it I I know I wrote the name down somewhere but that was when I knew I could have a show <laughs> somewhere and like actually do it. I'm like, God, this is bad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, I think I got an answer. I've got an answer. All right, let's yeah, hear th- it. This is nothing against these two people who I like personally. But, uh, I mean, and I was the producer for this show, so I guess I can be blamed for it too. But Jaguar, the short-lived Brian O'Halloran, Jessica Blaylock joint on 1010 before they got the Jags contract was just a show that uh, they did it on on location all the time and it just the flow just wasn't great. I mean, it was it was it was tough. They we'd get guests on. They even involved me in there at times like asking questions, which wasn't great. I mean, Rhino, this was before he had really kind of he hadn't carved out his niche as like the cantankerous guy on Jaguars today because that show didn't exist yet. So he was just like the guy that kind of was soft-spoken and had these snarky comments, but nobody really got his humor back then type thing. And then and then Jessica was still kind of cutting her teeth as someone who was hosting things. This is pre-helmets and heels and all that jazz, too. So it was just probably like two years too early as far as a concept is concerned. And then if we had to go for a show that's on right now, I would say that uh, Seth Harp in the afternoons on 930 is... I think it's just his voice, man. I cannot handle that for... I'll flip over occasionally if it's like commercial on 1010 or something. And half the time he's like, sometimes I'll have like guests on. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I get like three minutes into it. I was like, I can't listen anymore. And I mean, that might just be a personal thing for me. It's just voices, voices. I have a problem with. It's the reason why I don't like rush. I don't like, I don't like the lead singers, Getty Lee's voice. So I can't get yeah, into that, it. That makes sense. And that's, that's just personal thing. Well, And it's crazy when you think about it because <laughs> So I would say to establish that familiarity and, you know, like you said with Rhino, kind of, oh, this is his persona. It's Seth Harp yeah. for as long as he's been around. I, I don't like his voice. I don't know if he's gotten better. I, I, I feel like there's a disconnect with the community. I mean, I, yep. I hear people talk about him, but it's not like, oh, man, he, you know. He's better than Frangie, or you know, I go there for my insight. It's like, oh yeah, but he I've doesn't go like he doesn't go anywhere and do anything. Like I don't ever like where is the guy out at events? Does he 
like for say what you will about 1010 personalities there are several of them that are very visible people like they are involved in the community and it's like that's a huge part of establishing a connection with the community if you're visible in the community and I've never seen Seth Harpin. I, I know he does a few like, remotes, and he'll do some of the bigger games, Georgia, Florida. Um, they'll, they'll set up at a variety of places. I know he does some Jaguars op- open players. locker room because he, he does get some good good locker room interviews that are just So he's just everywhere just I'm different. not. Yeah, but in, in terms of overall local sports coverage – He's he's just not going to be able to do that. It, it's still the nine thirty of old, where he's trying to be program director, and I remember it because it, I would would intern underneath Joe Cowart. You know, you're trying to put a schedule together. You're working on a morning show. You're making sure you've got producers for some of the Jacksonville Suns games. I mean, it was brutal. And then it's if a big job, yeah. If you're trying to go, well, can I make it to UNFJU for college basketball? You know, actually, I'd rather see my daughters dance that night. Yeah, it, it's difficult. I, I don't know Seth's relationship status, but you throw that in the mix, also. I mean, it's what? What's funny? It's, not, it's, it's not funny either. Right. It's just he's, the way you phrased it. It's just his relationship it, status. I'm, I'm just going off what's I'm popular just, on Facebook. I know, I know. I'm just picturing like we've now de- delved into like TMZ, where it's like, hmm, who's he dating? Gosh, I I would consume. I almost curse there, but I won't. Even though after Tuesday's results, um, I would consume the bleep out of a local TMZ show. Uh, I, first off, you've got your A1 topic of Casey DeSantis and Ron DeSantis. Is she going to stay at First Coast Living? Like, these are mm. the things I need to know. Yeah. That's valid. Very valid. Uh, this might have been after your time. Do you ever remember a thing? Um, after my time? What? Did I die two years ago? What well, happened? no. This is this is when I was in college. Oh, okay. So, so, so okay. That's what I'm saying. Oh, after uh, 1010. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I've changed subjects. I've, I've had this trouble on podcasts. R- Richard week, Miller I've AD. A lot of them. After, yeah. <laughs> after 1010. Go with uh, it. Do you, do you remember the website Juicy Campus at all when you were in college? Did that exist? No. I mean... College humor was just kind of becoming a thing. I think I think Juicy Campus had a very short window that it existed because it was very problematic. And the reason was it was literally just a gossip site for your college. So you'd go on and it was a message board and you could just like post things. You know, like there would be like, you know, like stuff about like people I hate, you know, and like you'd put it on there. It's like, you know, biggest assholes on campus or whatever. And, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden you find people's names in there and stuff from, it's like, geez, man, this is, it only lasted, I think, like the first, like, six months I was in college and then got shut down for obvious reasons. And, uh, but that, that's what we need. We just need, like, Juicy Campus Jacksonville Edition. I guess that's sort of what Next Door is, but we just need it to be less focused on, like, the cat that keeps wandering in the person's yard and more <laughs> on, like, where are these media personalities going from? <laughs> yeah, the closest I get to that is when Peggy will update me on the Facebook neighborhood group, and oh, I'm just yeah. like, "Oh God, this is why do we care about?" Yeah, I think. So, oh, I know what it was. She was telling me a story. So, in our neighborhood, we have wild pigs, and makes sense. We're in St. John's County, and sure, yeah. and all the growth, and yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're 
there are going to be deer and peacocks and turkey. It, you know, it happens, whatever. <laughs> and so there was like a pro version of the let's trap and release the wild pigs. Mm. And then the other people are like, but they're baby pigs. Like you can't net them and then, you know, release them somewhere else. So it was this almost like PETA versus like, I, d- I don't, I want to eat them kind of like <laughs> battle going on in a Facebook group. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, we should probably change subjects here. Yeah, that but sounds I, good. I will just Juicy leave you campus. with my, my, my last trending post on San Marco next door. Bathroom remodeling recommendations. These are the things I get that, that, that people are constantly talking about. But if you've ever uh, if you've ever seen the best of next door Twitter account, uh, I recommend checking that out for a good laugh. There was one of my favorite was uh, somebody posted somewhere and it doesn't say where exactly these things are, but it was just suspicious person going around promoting voting in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I died laughing at that one. Uh, uh, Richard, as we as we transition into the final portion of this episode here, um, for those, I tease it at the very beginning, there's a website called uh, Stadium now, watchstadium.com. They have two major writers that contribute there, uh, including Brett McMurphy, who signed on right after the big Urban Meyer, or Zach Smith, I guess, stuff this summer. And then Jeff Goodman, formerly of ESPN, before that CBS, before that Fox, a college basketball writer. He's been doing this thing called a, let's see, I want to get the proper name for it here, a Conference Chain of Command Series. So there, he's surveying coaches in each league uh, in nine different categories, ranking the teams in each league based off of tradition, media exposure, game atmosphere, facilities, selling pros, being able to send uh, players ought to play professionally, admission requirements, budget and resources, buy games, how many times that you are bought or are, uh, are buying uh, teams to come play against you, and then geographical recruiting base. So just last week, the ASUN conferences uh, came out, which I, boy, at this rate, like he's going to be done in time for next basketball season with this chain of command. But um, I, I opened it up. I know I asked you about this beforehand, but is anybody surprised that Florida Gulf Coast is sitting at the top of this as far as, as coaches voting? By the way, they're number one in all but the categories, budget and resources where they're number two, and recruiting base where they're number five. They're also number two in facilities and admission requirements. Is that a surprise at all to you that FGCU comes in number one as the best job in this conference? Oh, not at all. I, anybody that doesn't even pay attention to the A-Sun, that would have been their answer. Yeah, now they they would have said, you know, um, dunked city, and and left it at that. But they that would have been their their response. Yeah, I'm, you you sent me the link, and I even took a guess, and I I think I was kind of close on on my answers. I, I don't think anything is too surprising here. I think it's a, a decent pulse, and it sounds like they talked to enough people in the conference, enough coaches, and probably people inside the athletic department to, to get this fairly spot on. So I, I like it. I'm, I'm more intrigued now to, to check out the other conferences and, and kind of get a pulse on, on what's going on at ACC, SEC, and, and bigger schools. Yeah, I think he's – it's the last one that was posted was the Big East, which was late last week. I haven't seen if there's been a, an update thus far this week. Uh, the Big East one was interesting. Uh, Xavier came in, I think, fourth in the league, which I was I was pleased about. Uh, locally here, 
the two teams find themselves right next to each other, right in kind of the middle of the pack. UNF comes in as the fifth best job in the league. JU as the sixth best job in the league. Uh, UNF getting 48 total points, Jacksonville 42. And that is in comparison to FGCU, which got 74 total points, by the way. Um, so the positives for UNF, it says the campus is beautiful. They have solid facilities, a good recruiting base. Since they're within a drive to Miami, Atlanta, and Charlotte, that's bad drives. But I guess whichever A-Sun head coach said that feels that uh, you know seven hours isn't a big deal. And then he said that the, the knock on UNF, though, was that they play so many bye games. And I know that's something that has been discussed for years. It's been a staple of the Matthew Driscoll era, uh, really with notoriety, I guess, over the last few years because UNF was able to break through and win a couple of those games when Dallas Moore and Bo Beach and the like were there, uh, winning at Illinois, winning at Purdue. Is that right? Correct. Uh, so that stands out as the fact that they were able to win a couple of these. But, man, when, when you play Big Ten teams every year and several of them, when you play several – uh, you know, A-10 teams every year, you know, it just gets, it makes it very difficult on your team, even though UNF tonight went up to Dayton and and kept it a ball game, lost only by eight in a difficult environment to play. But you think that's that's fair there in saying that what makes UNF tough is the amount of times they play these major non-conference games? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got, they're brutal. I mean, you're trying to pay for almost the entire athletic department, it, it breaks you down. I, I know from just my perspective, the amount of travel you would have to do from about now until mm, maybe just before Christmas, it, it felt like you were on the road for two years of your life. The, the mm-hmm. three seasons I did it, I know I definitely aged five years, maybe even more. It just it wore you down. It I I have so much respect after doing that of any sport. How those assistant coaches, head coaches, can recruit as much as they do, and be away from daily semi-normal life of like actually going to an office and not having to fly or rent a car or be on a bus or in a gym watching somebody shoot around. I I know that becomes their new normal life, but Wow, it's just, it's it's really tough. I thought it was interesting though with this ranking. UNF is number two in selling pros. That that makes sense. And then game atmosphere, pretty cool. Although it's clearly dipped the last couple of years. And and we know that Scott, this is a market where you've got to win. You've got to win consistently. If you don't, you start to lose people. Jaguars. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's look in the last four four or five weeks. I mean, they're saying the exact same thing. And then where UNF was towards the bottom, you had budget resources. Yeah. Buy games, like we mentioned. Yeah, second to last. And then admission requirements. And that's something almost every team talks about. It, it is so difficult to get into North Florida that if they had the GPA or any of the requirements that FGCU had, North Florida could be more of what the Eagles are. and Which is, it's just wild because, I mean, credit to outgoing President John Delaney for really raising the profile of UNF as, a, as an institution because, I mean, that was, I mean, when I was in high school, I remember people being like, yeah, I got to apply to UNF 
and and you know I, I think I'll be able to get in there and then you know we'll, we'll just see what happens elsewhere and I, I knew quite a few people that went to UNF and uh, some people that it was their first choice and some people it's like yeah you know I, th- I think I can get in here but it was like UCF UNF and um, uh, maybe one of the other one of the other schools in the area that like everybody applied to because it's, it's not that everybody got in but you could be like okay I'll have my out of state kind of pipe dream. I have Florida that is difficult to get into. And then uh, hopefully I can I can go to, to UCF or UNF if this doesn't work out. And of course, college admissions across the board were a lot easier back then. I can't imagine trying to get into college now. I would be working in a trade somewhere. I don't think it would have worked out. But it, it, they, the, the reputation of UNF has just skyrocketed in the last, I think, 10 years as far as an academic institution. A very well thought of school now that is Difficult to get into, certainly, and uh, and that degree holds holds a lot of value. Yeah, yeah. It you know, there's no way I could get in nowadays. It, the last five or maybe seven to ten years, it, it's really changed. It it, it became kind of like how I was graduating. Oh three, oh four. People were trying to get into UF, and it was like, are you kidding me? Like, you, you had to have a lot more extracurricular, whereas maybe five years earlier, you could just kind of coast in and be like, yeah, I'm a Gator. What, what about for the JU Dolphins? Was there anything super shocking on, on this, this power ranking? Well, the way JU came in right after UNF, sixth in the league out of nine teams, that is. And uh, where they ranked high, were highest ranking was uh, as high as three in a couple of categories. Uh, admission requirements, JU apparently uh, viewed easier to get into. Than uh, some of the other schools in the league. Kennesaw State, by the way, being voted the easiest school to get into out of the nine in the league. Stetson being the hardest. Uh, history and tradition, of course, you're you're going to take that because of the fact that you know Artis Gilmore, 1970, uh, and the several NCAA tournament five off the top of my head five NCAA tournament appearances in program history uh, to fall back on. And then where things were not so pretty is uh, the facilities. They finished second to last. Uh, game atmosphere, third to last, media exposure, sixth, as well as uh, in, in recruiting base and by games, budget and resources, all sixth in the league as well at that point. And he, here's the quote when describing uh, JU's knock after they just said, you know, how the city is a big advantage, you know, Jacksonville being a great town um, and, and the history, of course, being something to sell to. The knock is, and here's a direct quote from an ASUN assistant coach. The facility is really shitty, worse than a high school gym. So uh, what I will say is in defense of Swisher Gym, which is certainly a gym and is similar in size to high school gyms, uh, in the last few years, when I first started working at JU, yeah, that, that, that was a high school gym, no doubt about it. Probably worse than uh, the John A. Baldwin Center at Bishop Kenny High School, quite honestly. And it since then, you know, it, it's... There's only so much you can do with Swisher, unfortunately, but they've gotten about as much as you can get out of it. I mean, the the, the fresh coat of paint, the banners, the the video boards and the ribbon boards. I mean, that, that kind of stuff isn't in high school gyms, at least not in this area. So in that regard, I would say that it is better than a high school gym. But uh, yeah, it's obviously the biggest thing that is handcuffing this program right now, which is a big reason why, uh, you know, JU's going forward with uh, trying to get this practice facility off of the ground so that they can have another 
option for teams to work in and practice in and have something closer to a multi-purpose facility like most of the other programs the Division One level have at this point in time. And then, you know, somewhere down the line, eventually it's still in the plans, but it's just a matter of, you know, fundraising and money and all that to to hopefully build some sort of a convocation center one day in that land that is sitting there having been acquired by the former boy, uh, where the former boys' home was years ago. And uh, hopefully, you know, one day down the line that JU has Swisher for, for volleyball and and that's a great, I think it's a phenomenal volleyball environment in there when, when that place is crowded and it's unique because of the low ceiling and all that. And then you have a separate facility for the basketballs to be able to play in and a separate one for them to be able to practice in because, I mean, it, we, we don't talk about it much around here but because it's not the same as with the major institutions, but college athletics is such an arms race at this point in time that even, even these smaller colleges have to do whatever they can to try and keep up. And it's putting a lot of pressure on the JUs and UNFs of the world. Yeah. Scott, I, I like this list. Uh, I think it's about as accurate as it can get. And to me, <laughs> I I really hope... So for the knock, they used an ASUN assistant coach for all of like the negatives for the nine schools. Whoever <laughs> it is, I hope it's one person because I, I want to one day meet this individual... So the knock He's just firing off all of these. The knock on NJIT quote: "You ever been to Newark? It's not exactly a major selling point." Then they go to Stetson. Again, I hope this is the same person because every rip they have on a school is so good. The knock on Stetson quote: "The Edmonds Center needs a facelift. It's terrible. The worst place to play in the league. It's also hard to get kids into school." Like, whoever this person is, I hope I know this individual. You see the UNA one? The North Alabama one? Oh, yeah. Oh, that one's good, too. The last line is fantastic. Oh, yeah. The location isn't great either. Now, I've never been to Florence, Alabama, but I'm assuming it's not exactly a mecca. I didn't even know that was a place in Alabama until, like, two weeks ago. I knew it once they got added to the league last year. That's the first time I'd heard of it. Yeah, I... (laughs) I mean, North Alabama, I thought it stopped like halfway. I thought it was just like middle Alabama and you're done. Birmingham, North Alabama. Yeah. Huh. Well, th- thanks for bringing that up. I really appreciate that because I, I mean, definitely some chuckles and some knowledge. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So that, that was fun. Uh, I recommend if you guys want to check out a little more in depth, you can head to watchstadium.com and uh, the website is very difficult to navigate, but maybe I'll... Uh, I don't know. Wait, maybe I'll retweet this tomorrow and, and get it back out there after the. You know what? Yeah, I'll just put it in the link with the with the show, and people uh, people can check it out for themselves. And then hopefully, if you guys can figure out a better way to navigate to the other chain of commands than I have, because it's this this website is difficult to navigate. Then please let me know because I could use some help because I, I like reading them, and I hate having to like dig back through Jeff Goodman's Twitter in order to find him because that's the most direct route I've found. Yeah, he he tweets a lot. He does sweet a lot, especially now yeah. that the uh, season has started. So it makes it a, a, things a little more difficult. Shall we wrap this thing, Richard? Yeah, sure. I was just going to say, have you noticed Lenny Curry has tweeted less since the Jaguars have been losing? Less uh, less to po- uh, tweet about, I guess. And, yeah, we, we, could, we could get into a whole aside about we, – we did have an unscripted, off-the-record off aside about um, local Twitter personalities and, and how they handle themselves around here. But uh, can, oh, can we – that, that- that's such a that's a great topic 
for sure. Oh, local Twitter personalities? All right, yeah. Let's yeah. let's stash that one. Let's okay. stash that one. All right. And maybe we can get some feedback from some others as well. Uh, speaking of Twitter personalities, this is going to be our new game that we play at the end of each show. It's called What's the Last Time Armada Owner Robert Palmer Tweeted? And it was March 30th in which a guy tweeted at him asking him how he was doing. And he said that he has been busy with his one of his new companies. It's really taking off and taking up a lot of time. Uh, but stay tuned to Jack's Armada FC and tweeted something about a uh, trophy emoji. Hashtag for the fleet. So March 30th, we'll check back next week to see if there's any update on that as well. In this new segment called, When is the last time the owner of the Armada has tweeted? It started with Mark Frisch and now has continued with Robert Palmer. So for that, we will go ahead and wrap this thing. Richard Miller, this has been a fun one. And, hey, hey uh, Scott, f- one, one quick question. Do you yeah. think Cole Pepper is working with the Armada recently? Or since Robert Palmer took over is because they use the I'm Robert Palmer, I'm Cole <laughs> Pepper. And I'm like Cole bonded Pepper. over that. It makes sense. That was my fa- it does. I don't think I use the sound. In my brief producing career at 1010XL, I think the sound, the two sound bites I used the most were the I'm Cole Pepper and the uh, Sergio Garcia saying Go Jaguars after he won the uh, players. <laughs> Those are my those are my two favorite sound bites to click, and I was so bad at that like inserting things at funny times, but uh, I, I managed to drop those in at least two or three times at decent yeah that, de- that's decent timing. That, that was always the knock. Uh, my my PD would be like, you know, you need you need to use more drops, but yeah, not but, good at but it. But the traditional radio person in me is like, but why like. You know, Mike Dempsey has a good point. Like Rick Ballou made, you know, like I'm I not going to put like I want to listen like a sad trombone after that. Yeah, yeah. It, so it, yeah. I'm over it. The, I'm over it. Yeah, apparently. I'm Richard Miller. I'm Scott Manson. This has been Manson and Miller on sports. If you enjoyed that episode of Manzi and Miller on Sports, there's more where that came from. You can listen to any of our old episodes if you subscribe. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, the all-new Google Podcasts app, and the original home, SoundCloud. Just search Manzi and Miller on Sports. And make sure, Scott, all of our listeners can keep up on Facebook, where we've got our Facebook page of Manzi and Miller on Sports, all the podcast news that you can find every single week. And then on Twitter for Scott, it's at Scott Manzi, last name M-A-N-Z-E. And for myself, Richard Miller, that's on Twitter, at Miller on Sports. This has been Manzi and Miller on Sports.